Welcome to Clocking In, Forces of NC Manufacturing. I'm your host, Phil Mintz, Director of the North Carolina Manufacturing Extension Partnership, otherwise known as NCMEP. My role is to drive outreach to NC manufacturers, build relationships to federal and state leaders, and coordinate efforts to drive profitable manufacturing growth in North Carolina. Throughout my time working closely with manufacturers, I have heard the most quirky, curious, and memorable stories. I wanted to turn these stories into a podcast so that others may hear and be informed and inspired. From humble beginnings to manufacturing titans, from tragedy to triumph, I will be interviewing some of these manufacturers who have made North Carolina manufacturing the powerhouse that it is today. In 2021, the Department of Defense Office of Local Defense Community Cooperation awarded NC State University's Industry Expansion Solutions one of the five grants under the Defense Manufacturing Community Support Program. IES and its more than 20 partners are using the program to build on existing textile manufacturing collaborations in order to establish a best-in-class innovation ecosystem. The ecosystem is focused on the research, development, and production of smart textiles and wearable devices in support of warfighter health and performance. An important aspect of the work we are covering today is to help get products to market. And this is being accomplished in part via the launch of the NC Propeller Pre-Accelerator Program, led by program partners at First Flight Venture Center and RTP. We are joined on the Clocking In podcast today by representatives from two of the innovative companies that are participating in this program. Both have very interesting products they are looking to commercialize. On Divisions Technologies serves as a spinoff companies from the North Carolina State University's Advanced Self-Powered Systems Integrated Sensors and Technology, or ASSIST Center. On Divisions founder, Dr. William D. Reynolds Jr. has over 20 years of experience in research and development between the commercial and government sector. His management experience extends over 15 years of building and leading high-performing corporate science and engineering teams. Dr. Reynolds' background and expertise cover signal processing, deep learning, and algorithm development. Dermasense was founded in 2018 when the founding team licensed underlying intellectual property from North Carolina State University. Dr. Casey Boutwell is the Chief Executive Officer of Dermasense. Dr. Boutwell contributes his technical expertise in micro and nanofabrication, business experience in technology commercialization, intellectual property, and licensing strategy. It's a professional network in digital health and wearable biosensing systems. So we have a couple of really heavy hitters here on the program today. So we welcome Dr. Reynolds and Dr. Boutwell. Thanks for joining the program. Thanks for having us, Bill. Uh, Dr. Boutwell, let's, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about kind of the foundation of Dermasense and why you think it's important to work in this area. Yeah, great. Thanks for the question. So the concept of Dermasense is that it's very difficult to get information about human biochemistry in an accurate and reliable way. And so the default plan for the last century has been to extract people's blood. Blood is a great way to get information about what's happening in the body, but a quarter of U.S. adults have a fear of needles. And so there's a lot of resistance to going to get blood draws. And so there's poor resolution in time about how your body is changing. 
people have worked on saliva, people have worked on sweat monitoring. Both of those matrices in the body have their own challenges with variability and difficulty in collecting them away from the hospital. And so the Dermasense solution is to build a small porous patch that perforates the skin, but doesn't go as deep as the nerves or the blood and wicks the liquid out of the skin for analysis of the biochemistry underneath. We can't see everything that the blood has, obviously. We don't have the same concentration and we are minimally invasive, but we have some protections against the risks and challenges of sweat and saliva. And we're not as, as uh, invasive as blood. So have you been involved in similar types of products over the years or just kind of a breakthrough for you? Uh, the biochemistry is breakthrough for me, uh, but I've worked actually at the Assist Center where uh, OnDivision Technologies licensed some of the earlier technology. And I do have a background in nano and microfabrication. So I know a lot more about the science than I knew about the market when I started. And so I have some really strong confidence in the underlying technology's capability. And so the challenge has really been building it out and showing the manufacturing pathway, demonstrating biocompatibility and moving the technology towards a licensable position for other more advanced companies to license and lift it in the final mile. Dr. Reynolds, I think you're concerned about dehydration. Tell us a little bit about the background of that. The idea actually came from watching my son uh, when he started playing uh, rec league uh, football. I would, uh, you know, leave him two two hours in the North Carolina sun in July and August, and you know, through September, and. Uh, you know, run off to work or come back and realize that he may or may not have had proper, uh, you know, water to drink and so forth. And, you know, at, at that age, the, you know, the coaching staff isn't as, uh, you know, experienced as, you know, high school or a collegiate staff. So it's just really dependent on the parents to sort of, uh, you know, nurture your, your water requirements. So from there, uh, coupled with the fact that I was looking to do something different, it was a, you know, a, a, a timing where I was looking to do something different in my career and a problem popped up right in front of me and I started to, you know, venture off. And so what I did was I actually, my initial, my initial approach was to, to teach. I wanted to teach and I, I applied to every school in uh, North Carolina and unfortunately things didn't work out. And so I took my ideas and started a company. And when I did that, I was introduced to Assist Center uh, to Casey through a program on how to start a business in North Carolina. Uh, pretty much straight and simple. Casey and I talked, and then you know the rest is sort of you know history on how Onivision got you know got started with, with a, a licensing the technology. We've gone through an NSF CIBR uh, program, a small business innovation research uh, program, to where we can develop our concept further. And now we're at the point where we're driving towards uh, commercialization. Yeah, so how long, uh, Bill, and I'll ask you this too, Casey, how long has you been, have you been working on this particular product? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, the genesis is sort of in like 2017 and when I first formed the company and then I started my research into hydration, into wearables around the same uh, the same time, and you know since then it's just been tackling one problem, technical problem or business problem, you know after the next. So it's been it's been a few years. So if your son continue to be a test case, or do you use it on him, or is he is he involved? Uh, he, you know, he is involved, you know, when, when COVID hit and school shut down, I told him the best way to learn about science is to be part of science. And so he was, 
He was, he was part of my early uh, experiments. So, so Casey, what about you and the patch? I mean, are you, are you, who's wearing the patch to test it? Uh, we've been in some human subject tests that have been approved at NC State, two different rounds of testing at NC State. And the objective there was really just to show that the patch was able to function, could extract this fluid. The fluid is called interstitial fluid. It's the fluid that kind of goes in the space between the cells, ISF. So our original objectives were just to put it on people and see if we can get enough ISF, which was a really you know, vague kind of proof of concept. Do we think the material could be improved enough that we could get more, that we could get it faster? We can figure out the concentration of some relevant analytes in there, or is this really not a very useful tool? The early successes in the data from those studies led to some funding from the Air Force Research Lab to work specifically in cortisol monitoring. And so now we have some collaborations with the Air Force Research Lab with a more advanced version of our substrate to collect interstitial fluid from airmen and then evaluate the cortisol concentration. Cortisol is a, is a hormone which is usually associated with stress, but affects physiology from metabolism to sleep performance to cognition to stress response. And so it's this really great initial marker to show, yes, this platform can safely and effectively extract a sufficient volume of ISF for us to make a clinically relevant decision in a non-clinical setting. That's our, that's our ultimate goal, to show that we can do this safe and effective extraction here in my house instead of having to drive to a phlebotomist who then physically extracts my blood from my body. So what is the uh, approach that we're taking for use of defense, uh, the warfighter capability? How, how is this, this product gonna help us with our military? Or, or can you tell us anything about it? I can tell you, yeah, I can talk about it, sure. So there are kind of two different modalities in which a platform that extracts your biofluid for physiochemical analysis works. And the first is it could be specific to a, an individual target. You really need to know in this person very quickly, do they have X above a certain level or do they not have X above a certain level? For example, cortisol. In that scenario, you have a cortisol sensor put on the back of the patch in this kind of unique structure that we've designed. You put it on the person and you let the patch fill up and you can say yes or no, they are good to go. They are above a certain level or they're not above a certain level. Whatever decision you need to make, we can tune the sensitivity. So, you know, you can imagine immediately see in an infectious disease application or in a human performance application, we just go down the line of 50 people and we get like a yes, no, maybe pile. Basically, how do we quickly triage this group? Relatively quickly, this is biochemical extraction and it's zero power. So it, it's not like in seconds, it takes minutes for this patch to fill and to change the reading. The other way in which it could be used is for just extracting the fluid and understanding what's happening inside a person's body where you're not looking for a specific target. You don't need to make a critical go, no go decision. You need to say like, hey, what's happening in the background? Is their stress level generally increasing because cortisol is increasing or their ability to process it is going down? Is there some other relevant hormone like some testosterone production change, which could indicate muscle behavior? In that scenario, the patch fills and wick, you know, wicks and fills and then is analyzed later. And so it, you could use it really in either of those DOD applications. One is like a quick go, no-go, and the other is like kind of force readiness surveillance. So Bill, what about you? The same question is that, you know, what is what does the Department of Defense need for your product? I mean, how, how would they use it? Our initial target market is in sports, and we're trying to we're uh, addressing dehydration and exertional heat illness in, in sports. So if you imagine you have, uh, you know, NC State has 100 football players that are running around training in hot and humid conditions. And we're trying to have early alerts to say, hey, this person needs to rest, rehydrate before you approach uh, you know, adverse health conditions. And it, it's, it's a spectrum of heat illness 
that one could experience from cramping all the way out to unfortunately uh, passing out, causing uh, potential organ damage and the ultimate, ultimate, uh, uh, you know, would be a, a fatality. And so every year you hear about athletes who suffer a variety of that spectrum. So if you parallel that with the military, where, you know, here in our local state, down at Camp Lejeune, Fort Bragg, you have Army Marine recruits who come every year who train in the same hot and humid conditions and are also at risk of dehydration and thirst of heat illness. And we also hear about those same problems on the news and also through uh, military reports and uh, health uh, assessments of our um, you know, military recruits who are uh, suffering from these uh, you know, type of events. If you look past, we go beyond sort of basic training, there's, you know, the military is involved in other activities that, that require extreme conditions that could also impact soldiers, you know, health and hydration and, and so forth. So that's how we see a parallel effort between what we're doing in the sports world and how we can potentially help the military with some of their issues as well. Yeah. So talk about where you're at in the uh, in the pathway to commercialization and how will this propeller program help you get to a next level? Uh, yeah. So this propeller program is actually a very timely program for us because we're in a, we're in the tail end of submitting our next phase NSF, our phase two uh, proposal. So this has helped me flush out another more ideas, more business related ideas that I can actually put in, into my uh, proposal and also how I can potentially gain access to other use cases uh, within the military. So this has been a very timely program for me uh, business-wise to help flush out the those ideas, which are, uh, you know, sometimes the toughest ideas versus the technical ideas where it's my comfort zone, but when you, want, when you get outside in the business world, you're being bombarded with other questions that Typically, you don't, you know, you don't think about or you don't have that ready experience to, to draw to draw from. So that's my challenge a lot of times answering the simple questions, the technical questions as well. I'm ready, prepared. And what about you, Casey? You said you've been in some involved in some pre-accelerated programs before. How is this one different? How you see it helping your product move forward? Propeller has been great for us. It has also been very timely. The the major benefit we've gotten from Propeller is the exposure to our chief science officer to more about the business use case, understanding more about customer discovery, understanding more about validation of business models, and understanding more about the way in which technology may be described, not only from its technical benefits but or its technical features, but also from its customer benefits. Our chief science officer is Professor Michael Danielle. He's also the inventor at NC State. He's very smart. And I mean, he's not just very knowledgeable, but he's also very teachable. And so he has really grown in our interaction he, as a chief science officer to CEO. I have seen him learn more in this program that will be operational and actionable for him than I, I ever could have expected. I've been involved in, pre, in other accelerator programs for other technologies I've accelerated. And the growth and confidence that Professor Danielle Michael Hishman, I think, is a tremendous enabler to Dermasense's uh, expansion of voice, not just for the business side that I often talk from, but also from the technology side and his understanding of what the customer wants to hear so that he can kind of change the story or optimize the story based on the audience. 
Well, I'm hearing there's some preparation for some pitches going on from Mandia. How's that coming along? Do you do do a lot of practicing for that? I mean, what does that entail to put together like an eight minute pitch? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I'll be pitching. Michael is on is traveling, and so this a good opportunity for people in the community to see my face when they've been seeing Michael's face. I used to live in North Carolina, so I think I know a lot of the people who will be in the room already. And this pitch is a little bit different than other kinds of pitches because the audience is quite diverse. There are some people who are interested mostly in accelerating manufacturing capabilities and economic development in North Carolina. There are other people who are interested in collaboration, whether it's from nonprofit, but you know, non-academic groups like RTI, or whether it's actually through academic centers or through its evaluation with service members. And I believe that there will be some funding agencies or potentially private placement you know, investors available to learn more about our understanding of the business market. And so those are a lot of different kinds of people to talk to in an eight minute pitch and make everybody feel as though they had something that was tasty in that meal. And so the result is that we kind of stay high level. You talk about the problem as it exists for people, you know, like we would all like to not have to have our blood drawn to know what's happening inside our body. Everybody pretty much can agree with that. And then to just be honest and saying, look, here's some opportunities we have to grow. We need some more material characterization so we can go to the FDA. This is what we believe our regulatory strategy is, but we need to fund the actual you know, labor from our contractors to go engage with the FDA for us to, hey, you know, anybody who knows how to build, build these things at larger than pilot scale in the community in North Carolina where we want to stay engaged, come talk to us. Help us figure out how we can work in the right ISO certified environments that we can collaborate and really get this thing across the last mile. The pitch has some practice, but an eight minute pitch is kind of hard to practice. It's really, for me, more the discipline of just not saying everything I'm thinking <laughs> because we've been doing this for four years and I could yeah. easily, you know, it's hard to put four years into eight minutes. And so the hard yeah. part there is really just showing what's on the slide, having mostly pictures and really being available for questions. What about you, Bill? What are you thinking for that for the eight minute pitch? Yes. You know, I, I struggled with the idea too, is what to say, how to say it and just understand who, you know, who you're talking to. And you know, again, with such a broad audience, I, uh, you know, went back and forth. So I just, decided just really to play to my strength and keep it high level, focus on what we're doing. And then also, you know, sneak in parallel opportunities, the military and also hydration goes across, you know, sports, military, healthcare. And believe it or not, farm workers suffered just as many fatalities as athletes, uh, you know, military personnel. So it goes across the whole fabric of you know, our society. But, you know, again, we want to introduce ourselves, you know, what we're doing, and just see what type of opportunities come from this briefing, this pitch. And it also gives me a chance to practice in front of, you know, 50 to 100 people to, you know, to talk. And as a founder, you wear multiple hats, and this is one of the, you know, one of the hats you have to wear as you get up in. <laughs> That's right. Talk about it. So it talk about it to various you know audiences and backgrounds so it's a like i said it's a challenge to get everything in eight minutes but you know you have eight minutes and i'm gonna do do what i can to stick to those eight those eight minutes well we're certainly excited for both of you and the products that you're bringing forth and uh, again this you know we're we're pleased to have people like you in the state and well i guess case you moved away right so but uh, <laughs> 
Most of my staff is in North Carolina, actually. I live in Virginia because I got the call to come home for family, which, Bill, if you have, you know, applications in aging populations, they're also often thirsty and don't realize it. That's another great application. So I look forward to hearing your pitches. I think I'm gonna, if nothing happens, I'll, I'll be in the back of the room there. Of course, I, I won't have much money to offer, but but I'll but be excited to hear, you know, how you got to put that together. And, and I really appreciate your time coming on the program today to talk about the Propeller program and also your products today. So thank you so much and for participating with me and bearing with me with my my, my tough questioning and uh, yeah, look forward to your success. Thanks for having us, Bill. There are lots of ways we can collaborate. It's not only money we need. There are lots of people who we can learn from. Yeah, and always nice. Thank you for joining today's Clocking In, Voices of NC Manufacturing. This podcast is brought to you by NC State's College of Engineering, the North Carolina Manufacturing Extension Partnership, and Industry Expansion Solutions. If you'd like to learn more about the solutions NCMEP offers, go to www.ncmep.org. Want to listen to previous Clocking In podcasts? Go to ncmep.org slash clocking in.